What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right. Well, how we doing? 11 o'clock? Good, good. I don't want to drop any of this. Come on now. Hang on. Good stuff. Hey, just a quick adjustment. I love Pastor Matt. Can we get over Pastor Matt? Yeah, we love him. But I just got—I got to correct one thing. Prayer is the following week, okay, guys? So it's not this Wednesday. It's on Valentine's Day. So all you single people, you should be there because there's no reason why you should miss. I'm just saying. All right, here we go. And so prayer room, pray NorCal is on February 14th. Just want to let you know that. And uh, man, I am so excited. Thank you for your guys' giving, your generosity. Um, It's just such a good season that I believe God has us in. And I am just so grateful for what Jesus is doing. And so we're going to go ahead and jump right into the message. I'm super excited to start a new series called Feels Like Home. Everybody say Feels Like Home. And so what we're going to do is for the next... About eight weeks, we're going to be talking about who we are as a church. We're going to be talking about our church core values. We're going to be talking about our church and who we are, our culture statements, really what makes this place, really the blueprint, the, the, the floor plan, if you would, on what makes us home church. Does that make sense? And I think it's really important because if you didn't know, like we said a couple weeks ago, we used to be Thrive Church. Now we are home church. And I have learned that there is vision and uh, there is clarity when the vision is presented and clarity helps the vision become a reality. And so I want to make sure you and I both know what we really are about here at this church. And so we're going to be on this series for the next few weeks called Feels Like Home. And I'm excited because I believe it's going to give us the language to embody the mission and vision and dream of this house. Sound good? Sound good. Man, 11 o'clock, y'all made it through the rain, and you was a little sleepy now. We should have had more coffee for you. Well, let's do this. Let's go ahead and stand up. Let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to need you to preach at me like I'm preaching at you. We're going to need you to holler back today. I'm just saying. And uh, we're going to jump right into the message. We're going to jump right into the the word. So we're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 19. And I'm excited to share. It's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. It really is. And we're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses one through 10. All right, here we go. And it says this. It says, as Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. Everybody say Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but was too short to see over the crowd. I can relate. Verse four. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home. Everybody say home. Home today. Verse 6. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home. Everybody say home. Home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Verse 10, last verse. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. So good. Let's pray, family. Jesus, help us. Let us hear what you have to say. And let us buy in to the culture and the vision of this church. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So I want to talk to you today about one of our cultural statements called healing. And really what I want to do is I want to give you all our cultural statements. I want to give you the words that really make up our church. So if someone were to ask you, hey, what is your church about? What is, your, what, what is home church about? What do, what do you guys do there? What's going on? And, and what, what does it kind of feel like? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like anybody want to know what the home kind of feels like when you first go in? Like what is, what's the vibe? What's the feel of when you go to home? Right? This is what it would be. If you could go ahead and put up that slide, that would be great. Here is our culture statements. I want to read them together. And these are the words. These are the statements. These are the thoughts 
the ideas that we're going to preach on for the next two months, and we're going to embody this together. Everybody say healing, family, growth, presence, servanthood, and mission. Now, we talked about these on Vision Sunday. How many were here at Vision Sunday? Anybody was here at Vision Sunday? Good amount of people? Okay, like four people. Sounds good. All right. We're here at Vision Sunday. We, wa- we walk through these words. So we're going to talk about these words. We're going to preach about these words. We're going to teach about these words for the next few weeks. And today, I'm excited because we're going to do the first one, which I believe is really something that's new and special to our church that we've been getting language for, but I believe significant in this season. And we're going to be talking about healing today. The, the word, the culture, that we're, the phrase we're going to be talking about today, the culture statement, a core value is healing. And we're going to talk about healing, go ahead and throw it up, from the inside out. Healing from the inside out. That's what we believe here at our church, that God has called us to be a church of healing. Can I get an amen to that? I don't know about you, but maybe the first time you came, you needed to get a little healed up. Maybe the first time you came, you needed God to do some work in you and you needed to get healed. I believe that it is in the DNA of our church to be a church, to be a place of healing. I know the first time I came through these doors 10, 11 years ago, when I was 19, 20 years old, little did I know that God was gonna use this place to begin to heal the things in my life that he needed to heal. I believe this wholeheartedly that this church part of our DNA, part of our culture, part of how God has designed us as he's designed us to be a church of healing. I believe it has set us apart and it's a unique thing that God has called us to here at this place, here at our church, is to be a church and a place for healing. So I wanna read to you just this statement. I'm gonna have a statement every single week where it kind of explains what that means, all right? Here we go. I believe that home church is a church of healing. Yes? Yes. That Jesus and the church are cohesive with the healing process of spirit, soul, and body. Let me explain that. This is why we talk about being healed from the inside out. Because how many know it doesn't matter if you look buff, but you're going to hell? Like four people got that. Come on, y'all. I need you to lock in with me on this one. How many know that it doesn't matter if you physically are healthy, but your soul is a mess? or your spirit is dead? What does it matter if your spirit is alive, but your mind is all over the place, and your body is all over the place? We believe in inside-out transformative healing. We believe that the gospel still works today, and that God is interested in all of you, not just some of you. That Jesus, when he saves you and heals you, he heals you, he heals me, he heals us, body, soul, and spirit. Also, just want to point out that this was on purpose, that it's Jesus and the church. Come on now. That God uses his church to bring healing to the world. And that our church, listen to this, and you've heard me say this before, but it's really important that we lock in with this. Our church is a hospital for both the lost and found. We are not going to be a museum for saints. We will be a hospital for those who know Jesus and those who do not know Jesus. Why? Because everyone needs the healer. Everyone needs the physician. Everyone needs God's people to heal them. See, when we even find in Scripture, which is very interesting, and I kind of thought about this during first experience, was that it's kind of who Jesus is. I don't know if you know this. The Bible, all throughout the New Testament, talks about how Jesus would go around healing the sick. He would go around bringing healing to those who were lost. And we're going to talk about that with this passage just shortly. But what you also find in Scripture is in the Old Testament, the Father, God, he is known as healer. And then the New Testament, Spirit embodies us, and he is the gift of healing when we pray for people. And so interestingly enough, healing is connected to every part of the Trinity. It is one thing that as a character and an attribute in every person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And we are the body, which, right, it talks about this in the New Testament, that Christ is the head and the church is the body. Christ is the husband. The, the church is the wife or the bride. And so therefore we are joined in to the same character and nature who God is. Listen, it is who the church is. The church is uniquely designed to bring healing to the world because of who we are in our relationship with Jesus. 
I believe wholeheartedly that a healthy church produces healthy people and that healing takes place when a church believes that God still heals today. And maybe you came in the room, come on, and you need a little bit of healing. Maybe you came in today a little broken. Maybe you came today a little messed up. That's all right. I want you to know that you're in the right place because I believe that the church is a hospital where we could take anybody who comes in. It doesn't matter what they're going through. It doesn't matter what's taking place. It doesn't matter how bad it is that I believe that God can use this place and our people, us together, to see God move in healing in people's life. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. And if you agree with me, can we just give Jesus a shout? And can we thank him just for a few seconds to believe that God's going to use us to heal the world, family? I believe that. I do. And so let's talk about Zacchaeus for a minute. I love this story. I, I love the story of Zacchaeus. I love the story of Zacchaeus so much that I was going to name my kid Zacchaeus. And then I had a daughter, so it didn't work out. But I was going to name my kid Zacchaeus. And I love this because here you have in this passage, the Bible says in Luke chapter 19 that there was this man by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, this dude was so bad. Listen, he was so bad. The Bible describes him as a notorious sinner. I don't know about you, but I, I was a sinner. You were a sinner. We've all been sinners. But I don't know if anyone in the room was a notorious sinner. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's some next level sinner. He says he was the chief tax collector, which is not only are you the worst of the worst, you're below the worst of the worst. And you were a notorious sinner. Like this dude had a reputation that he was bad, that he was wrong, that he was messed up, that he was screwed up, that he was jacked up. That's how the Bible describes him. Luke, I don't know if he's just being honest or being petty. You know what I'm talking about? Like the writer of this gospel describes Zacchaeus as notorious as a sinner. And you know what I love about this story is that even with a title as notorious sinner, Jesus still changes his life. Amen. You know what that tells me? You know what that tells me, family? That it doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how messed up you are. It doesn't matter the titles you had on your life. It doesn't matter the reputation you had. It doesn't matter what you've done. And it doesn't matter what's been done to you. That Jesus can change anyone and everyone if you would allow him. That the gospel still works today. That no one's too broken. That no one's too lost. That no situation's too messed up. That Jesus still moves today. You know what I also love about this story? is that the Bible says that Jesus did not even do a miracle, yet Zacchaeus' life gets transformed. He didn't heal someone. He didn't heal a blind eye. He didn't heal a deaf ear. He didn't raise someone from the dead. The Bible says that Jesus was just passing by and Zacchaeus' life changed forever. My friends, Jesus still heals today. And what we must learn is that we have to sometimes get over the fact that seeing is believing. Because sometimes we got to see even when we don't see it, if that makes sense. And sometimes we got to believe even though we don't see it. And you see in this story where all Jesus did was pass by, man. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus' whole life was transformed instantaneously. That this dude was completely different. Why? because of what Jesus did in his life. I love that. I think that's so cool that we can see this story and understand, wow, God, even when you don't do a miracle, you still do miracles. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Even when you don't do what I want you to do, you still do what you need to do. And, and even when it's not what I think it might be, God, you are still transforming hearts. And, and you really see this, that the greatest miracle in scripture is not someone whose cancer gets healed or someone who's raised from the dead. No, no. But the greatest miracle in scripture is when a heart is transformed by the power and the love of God. I don't know about you, but is there someone in the room who might relate to Zacchaeus a little bit, who maybe you were lost and maybe you were broken and you felt like no one would love you and you felt like no one was going to care and nothing was going to save you. And then Jesus steps on the scene and everything changes. I don't know about you, but I can relate to Zacchaeus where God or people wouldn't want anything to do with me. I felt. And yet the God of the universe stops for me and begins to share with me his love and his grace and his mercy. And next thing you know, I am no longer who I am. Zacchaeus is a beautiful example of when God heals someone from the inside out. 
In that moment, Zacchaeus' spirit was healed. In that moment, Zacchaeus' soul was healed. His mind was healed. In that moment, Zacchaeus' body was healed. And I understand, sometimes healing is a process, but it also encourages me and excites me that sometimes God moves in processes, but also God can move instantaneously. I love it. Why? Because he's not done with people yet. This is what Jesus does. And so here's what we're going to do. You might be thinking, well, now we're going to talk about money because we did an offering. Nope, we're not going to preach on money today. We already did that. I want to talk about healing. And I want to talk about some few points in here that I believe will begin to help us with the process of healing. I believe that for some of you, one of the things God's been trying to do, especially after conference last weekend, because the conference was off the hook, is he's starting to heal some things in you. He's starting to work some things in you. I want to give you some, just, just a few points that I believe would help you understand what I would call the healing process that we see Zacchaeus go through, that, that he's walking through this process and he's beginning to understand who Jesus really is. And, and God begins to change and transform Zacchaeus from the inside out. And I believe that this is kind of what I, I, I know in my heart that God's trying to poking and highlight some things. And we're just going to take some things out of this story. Right? It's not anything super fancy, and I don't think it's anything super next level, but I think it's real good stuff that will begin to walk your heart through some deep things that God wants to walk you through. Is that okay? I mean, you're already here, so might as well. I'm going to get in your Kool-Aid a little bit. Is that cool? I don't, I'm just saying. I'm just, I want you to be ready. Here we go. Here's the first one that I believe we learned from this story. If you want God to work in healing, if you're like, God, I want you to move in my life. I want you to heal me. I want you to heal me of this sin. I want you to heal me of the shame. I want you to heal me of this mental health stuff. I want you to heal me of my brokenness. I want you to heal me of my past, my trauma. I want you to heal my marriage. I want you to heal my family. I want you to heal my relationships. Here's number one. You ready for it? You are not a victim. I am going to lovingly tell you this. Stop it. Stop it. Do you not know who you are? Do you not know that when Jesus died for you, he gave you a brand new identity? Do you not know that when you were washed with his blood and raised again by the Holy Spirit, the same way Christ was raised from the dead, that no longer who you used to be, you are now someone new who God designed you to be? Do you not know that you are not a victim? Can I tell you the thing that will stop you from getting healed even right now? Some of you are in this room. God can't do anything with you that he wants to because you continue to allow your victim mentality to dictate your life. What does that mean? Everything just happens to me. Everyone hates me. No one loves me. Da, 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 this and that. And it's all these excuses. And can I tell you, you need to stop it. Why? Because you are not a victim. Now, I want to acknowledge this. What you went through was real. And it hurts. And it was hard. But family, you are not responsible for what happens to you. But you are responsible if you decide to stay there. You need to know this. You're not responsible for the shame and the guilt. This, if someone sinned against you, you're not responsible. But you are responsible for how you respond. You are responsible for your life now. And maybe, just maybe, you're in the room today. And you are thinking, man, it just feels like life is happening to me. It just feels the storms of life are happening to me. It just feels the weight of life is just on my shoulder. Can I tell you there is hope and that Jesus did not design you so life can happen to you, but he actually designed you so you can tell life where it's going in your God-given purpose and design. And you cannot do that if you are a victim. You cannot do that if you believe that nothing is your fault. Family, maybe most of it wasn't, but how you've been acting is. You need to take ownership of your life. You need to allow God to take ownership of your life. Listen, if there's anyone that had an excuse to not see Jesus, it was Zacchaeus. He was short. And I'm going to say this because I can say this because it's my race. I think he was Mexican. If there's anyone had an excuse, right? Like, oh, Jesus is just passing by. I guess I can't see him today. Because I'm just so messed up. I'm just so short. I'm just so little. Listen, you might not be physically short, but some of you are short up here and in here. 
because everything is about what you're not. Right? You, you spiral in yourself thinking, I'm not this and I can't be that and I, I used to be this and, and I sound like this and this is what happened to me and this is what's happened to me and, and this is what took place in my life and this is this person that hurt me and, and I can't trust men anymore because of the men that hurt me. I, I can't trust father figures because of my father leaving me. I can't, I can't trust this and I can't do that. And, and you are living in a victim mentality because you are so focused on what God's not doing, you are not realizing God's in front of you. And the first step to getting better is knowing and acknowledging I am not a victim. I am not the tail. I am the head. I am loved by God and I am known by God. I know that God has saved me and God wants to heal me. I know that I am not my past. I know I am not my sin. God has called me to be a son and daughter. God has called me to follow him. I am not a victim. Some of y'all, you got to say that every morning when you get in the car. Because when you get to work, you act like you're a victim. Some of y'all, you act like a victim at home and you chose your family. Some of y'all are like, I'm such a victim with my kids. You had them, bro. You had your kids. They look just like you. They act just like you. That's probably why you don't like them because you don't like yourself. Some of y'all laugh. Some of y'all that hit real too deep. Some of you are like... You're right. You're right, Pastor Chris. I don't like myself. I know. I know. I know. I deal with this too. It's not just you. It's me. Like my daughter. She's just yelling around the house. She's almost two. And I'm like, why are you the way you are? And my wife just looks at me like, like, you don't know. You're just, you're just as loud, bro. You don't, you need to understand. This isn't my preaching voice. This is my inside voice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all, come on. Stop acting like a victim, like as if things are just happening to you. Allow God to heal the victim mentality out of your heart. Do not make excuses for your life. Stop allowing other people to tell you who you are. Stop allowing the enemy to lie to you in the middle of the night when you're laying your head on your pillow, thinking what you're going to do the next day. Stop allowing a victim mindset to control the purpose and destiny and the relationships that God has designed for you. Friends, you are not a victim. And whoever told you you're a victim has lied to you. Whatever teacher or doctor or lawyer or, or therapist that says, oh, you're such, you are not a victim. What has happened to you is not who you are. All right, number two. That's a whole series in itself. Right? Come on. You, you, you following me? Like, Zacchaeus can't get there unless he knows. To not use the excuses of his life to take him away from what God wants to do in his life. Number two. Well, number one, you're not a victim. Number two, you have everything you need. If you're today saying, I want to get better, good news. You have everything you need already. There's nothing more you need. You don't need another Dr. Phil book. You don't need another Oprah episode. You got everything you need. You don't need another special preacher. You don't need a prophetic word. No. You got everything you need. You got Jesus. You got family or spiritual family. You got Bible. You got people who love you. And can I tell you that sometimes the things we don't even know we need are the things we don't want to use are actually right in front of us. And God actually uses those to heal us. Let me explain. The Bible says that Jesus, sorry, Jesus is walking through Jericho. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus, the only way he was going to get to Jesus was he was going to climb what's called a sycamore tree. Now, I want you to understand this. Do you think that that sycamore tree was there on accident? Do you think that God didn't know thousands of years ago, because this is how good and sovereign God is, that God knew that there was going to be a man who needed to meet him, who was short, whose name was Zacchaeus, and the only way he was going to be able to meet him is he had to climb something. And so don't you think that God, thousands of years ago, planted that sycamore tree, knowing that one day the God of the universe was going to walk through the city called Jericho, and there was going to be a short dude there, and the only way that short dude was going to encounter Jesus is he had to climb that tree? Do you think that was an accident that there was a tree there? No. Why? Because God will put in your life what you need instead of what you want. 
I love the passage where it says God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. But I don't like that passage either. You know why? Because it says your needs, not your wants. And sometimes we confuse our wants with our needs. And God is not interested in your wants, but he will take care of your needs. Why? Because he's a good father. God knew that Zacchaeus was going to be short. He made him. It wasn't like, oh, you know, tough luck, bro. It's your 5'1". You know what I'm saying? I don't know how tall he was. He was like, you know what I'm going to do? You know, you know what I'm going to do? I bet, I bet the, I, I'm just imagining, okay? Just, just, it's not necessarily in the Bible. Just, just follow me. There's just this meeting in heaven. And God's like, we're going to design Jericho. Yeah, Jericho, that's a cool city. And just like, I don't know, the Holy Spirit's like, you know, let's put, let's put a tree there. Let's just put a tree right there because there's going to be this dude one day. I know there's kids that are going to walk on it and other things are going to happen, but, but there's going to be a dude that when the savior of the universe walks through that city, I'm going to make sure he has what he needs to get better. Here's what I've also learned. That I bet the tree, because how big it was, so the way sycamore trees are, is they, they come out very wide, right? They're tall, but they're, they're very wide. They, and they're, they're very bulky and they, they come very wide. And, and I, bet, I bet the sycamore tree was actually the thing getting in the way of Zacchaeus seeing Jesus. And what I have learned is that oftentimes the thing that you think is getting in the way of you and God is actually the thing that God put there on purpose so you can climb over it so you can actually see who Jesus is. See, part of getting better is saying God has given me all this right now and instead of trying to get more, because can I tell you, when you get more, more money, more status, more fame, more kids, more power, it doesn't make you better. It just reveals what's on the inside of you. Yeah. That's why you have all these pastors who are blowing up on social media. And then a year later, they cheat on their spouses because their heart couldn't handle the influence because they wanted more, but they weren't healed from the inside out. That's why you have celebrities whose hearts are broken, but they have the world, but yet have nothing. Why? Because the more doesn't produce healing. But you actually have everything you need right now. You have everything you need in your life to get better. And sometimes God will even put obstacles in your life, not to take you out and keep you from him, but so you can actually climb over them so you can get a better view of Jesus. God put the sycamore tree there on purpose. Why? Because he knew he was going to need something to climb over. The issue was, is Jesus wasn't just going to make it easy. He wanted to see him get better. And we learn about this. Even with psychiatrists and therapists, we learn that there is something about when the individual takes ownership of their health. Listen, as your pastor, I love you. I love you so much. Pastor Juan loves you. Pastor Matt loves you. Pastor Luis loves you. We got a bunch of other pastors. There's like 17 of them. I'm not going to name them all. But we are called to have you follow Jesus in a deeper way. We are not called to babysit you. That's not our job. Our job is to see you climb the things in your life that God's going to give you the strength to climb. So that way you can get better. Why? Because God wants you better. Number three, I got a few more. Here we go. You need to make space. You need to make space. I love this story. The Bible says that then Jesus or Jesus was passing by and Zacchaeus climbed on the tree, right? And he looks up and he goes, Zacchaeus, right? He's like, dude. And he, Zacchaeus is like, yeah, I'm here, right? He's like, I'm coming over to your house tonight. I don't know about you, but if Jesus was in the room and said he wanted to come over, would you even let him in? I, I, if I asked you, hey, you want to do lunch and I want to go to your house, you would even let me come over your house. Now, I get it. A lot of us have kids and our house is crazy. I get it. But you know want to know what's the most, one of the most important things to getting better, the process, is you need to make space to get better. You need to declutter your life. Some of us, and I've said this before, I didn't say this first experience, but I think some of us need to hear it second. We're spiritual hoarders, man. You ever see that show? You ever get grossed out by I get grossed out by that show when I see that show. That messes me up. I start getting like goosebumps. I start praying in the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I can't. I can't. I'm really, really weird like that. I can't. Um, that's how some of our hearts look. We're, at, we're just trash everywhere and things that you don't want to throw away. You've been holding on to something from 1987 that you just can't let go. You need to make space. 
You need to let the Lord forgive you. You need to forgive others. You need to make space. You need to make room. Because what if Jesus wants to come over your house? Can I tell you that's what Jesus wants to do? Jesus wants to come over your house. He doesn't want to just come over my house because I'm the pastor. Actually, he, it's the opposite. Where you find in the Gospels is that Jesus likes to go over people's houses who don't deserve to have Jesus' presence. Why? Because Jesus wants to show you that the relationship matters more than what you can do for him. My question is, if Jesus walked through the room and was like, I want to go over your house, would you be like, yeah, bet, let's do it. The Bible says that Zacchaeus was like, awesome, and he had him over his house. Meaning, he had a heart response that I'm going to make room for Jesus to do what he wants to do in my life. I have learned that most people don't want to get better because their life is so cluttered. You know what we do? Instead of actually addressing the issues of our soul and our heart and our spirit, we get busier thinking that the busyness will get us out of it. That's why some of you men, let me talk to the men for a minute. Women, y'all do this too, but like, I, I ain't going to talk to you like I know. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to catch a case or get canceled. Like, I don't know. Not a woman. That's why you just, you're a workaholic, man. Not a workaholic some ways. In some ways, you, you, you might be a hard worker, and that's honorable. You have crazy work ethic. That's amazing. But if you're a workaholic because you're trying to fill a hole in your heart that you can't fill because your dad didn't love you, for example, I'm preaching from experience. People think I'm an amazing pastor. No, actually, what it was is I was here every day because I didn't want to address the issue of my heart of being fatherless. And then you know what I do? I avoid my family because I am not physically, emotionally, and spiritually healthy enough to not reciprocate the same pain that I went through. And yet I'm just doing the same cycle again and again and again. Instead of my addiction being drugs, which my father dealt with, my addiction is work. Why? Because I don't have space to heal. You need space to heal. You need rooms where you can heal. Meaning people, small group, relationships. You need room, family, where you can heal. Zacchaeus makes a decision where he says, you know what? Come to my house. Does God have room to move in your house? Does God have room to get in your space? Does God have room? Let's, let's do another example. Does God have room in your marriage? Or are you just too busy? Right? Does God, where does God have room to make it better? Because I'm telling you, when God steps on the scene, he makes everything better. This is what Jesus does. When he goes into homes, when he goes into places, and let's now go a little bit deeper. Not just talking about the physical reality of a home. Let's talk about the home in here. Do you have room? Do you have margin? Do you have time? Some of you are like, I don't have time. I got seven kids, Pastor Chris. I don't got time. I got two jobs. I get it. I understand. It's not about a, an amount of time. It's about a heart posture of Jesus. I want you in my life. Because you know what? No one can want Jesus for you. Come on. Come on. You, 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 you aren't going to get to heaven on the coattails of your grandma. You cannot get saved. You cannot have an encounter because someone else is having an encounter. You know what? You look like you're on fire when you're next to a fire and it looks really good from afar. But when people get close to you, they'll notice what's burning and what's not. You need to want Jesus for yourself. You want to get better? You want to get healed? You need to make space. Number four. It's probably the most important one. In my opinion, you need to follow through. You must follow through. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus tells Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going over your house tonight. Bet. Let's go. And then as they're walking, Zacchaeus says, Jesus, I want you to know. Here, I'm going to read it to you. I want to read it to you exactly because it's next level. Especially some of us who struggle with money, like me. This is pretty insane. It says this. I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them four times as much. I don't know about you, but that's revival. Right? I've learned this. That people can encounter God and cry at an altar, but God will never touch their wallet. Because that's sacred. Here's Zacchaeus who was addicted to money. This man was addicted to wealth. This man was so addicted, he cheated everyone in town. And one encounter with Jesus, and he's going to give everything away? 
listen family, it's not about the money. What happened to this dude? What, what happened to this dude? Who is this God? Who is this savior? That the thing you idolize the most became something you would just give away. What's the thing you idolize the most? What's the thing you struggle with the most? And in one moment with God, you're just like, eh, it's whatever. Whatever. I don't need it. That's what Zacchaeus said. Jesus, I don't need it. I'm going to pay everybody back. I'm going to do it. And you know what happens? He did it. The Bible says he did it. History, church history tells us that he followed through and he ends up becoming a leader of the church for years to come. He followed through as a man of God, as a disciple of Jesus, as a son of God, following what he said he was going to do. Here's, the, here's my point. It doesn't matter if God heals you at an altar, if your behavior doesn't change once you leave. You have to follow through. I'm not talking about money. Some of you are like, he's just trying to get more money. I'm not. We already took offering. We're done with that. I'm talking about your life. Does your life look different because of what Jesus did? Not because of preachers yelling at you. What did God do in your life? And now we follow through. Follow through is how they're going to know we're different. You know how you know someone's getting better? If let's say they went into the hospital and they can't walk because of a surgery, they start walking. I know that can sound very simple, but it's actually very profound. You know how people are going to know you're going to get better? Because you do the things that you knew that you couldn't do within your own strength, but God decided to transform you and change you and shift you and mold you and do something new in your life. And now you are following through because you look different and you sound different and you talk different. You don't do the things you used to do. You're not going back to the things that you used to do. And I get it. It's a process, right? Can I get an amen? I'm not saying that you got to be perfect, but family, if you're an alcoholic, for example, let's just use that. I don't know. Maybe someone in the room is, and that's why God wanted to bring it up. I'm not saying I prepared this message just for you like you were coming. I don't know. But let's say you are, and God hits you at an altar response. God hits you at a church service. God hits you during worship. Someone randomly comes and prays for you, and the presence of God hits, and you're crying, and there's mocos everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? Like, good church. And you know God's trying to talk to you about the issue of alcoholism in your life. Family, what does it matter if God did all that and you go home and you didn't throw the bottles away? What does it matter if God's trying to talk to you about the relationship you're not supposed to have that's toxic and you still have their contact info? What does it matter if you're struggling with another substance and you don't flush it down the toilet? What does it matter, right, if God's trying to address you about the money thing in your heart? Let's just talk about it. And you're not giving generously. What does it matter? If you're struggling, let's say last week at conference, God started healing you from the issue of sexual morality and pornography. And some of you, you're still walking around with an open iPhone as if everything's fine. Some of y'all need to get a dumb phone. Some of y'all need to throw your computer away. Jesus says, cut your right arm off if it causes you to sin. What is he saying? He's not saying cut your right arm off. Don't be weird. He's saying do whatever it takes to not be in the environment that has caused you to sin. I wonder when Zacchaeus said it, and he probably did it that day, and he was like, oh my God, I'm broke. Because there's no going back once you give people money. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like, they ain't going to give it back to you. You can't just be like, ha, ah, just kidding. No, they already spent it. I don't know about you, but I, when I, get, I, I already know what I'm going to spend my tax return on. I haven't even got it yet. Some of y'all, you, you need to follow through so there's a point of no return so that way you can't go back to the thing that you got healed from. You want to start the healing process? Follow through. Last point. Because none of this matters if you don't know the one who heals. Now, some of these can be very self-helpish. I want to tell you, yeah, that could be. But there's a... There's a, there's a there's a secret sauce, if you would. There's a different approach. This isn't just psychotherapy or uh, modern ageism, culturalism, good thoughts. This isn't that. It's, it's something different because the difference is you can't do all those four without the one who heals. 
you need the one who heals. Who is that? His name is Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. You know why the church is a place of healing? Because the physician is here. It's not because of us. It's because when they come in this room and they need to get healed, it's not because we're anointed or special or gifted. Yeah, right. You're not that cool. I'm not that cool. Let's just be honest. You know why God heals people in church? It's because God's in church. You know why God, you know why your home becomes a healthy place? Because God's in your home. You know why God begins to move at your job? Because you invite God to your job. You know why God begins to move in your campus? Because you invite God to your campus. Why? Because when the one who heals walks on the scene, everything begins to change. You and I need the one who heals, the one who sets free. And I love it because in the Bible, the Bible says in Luke that Jesus was passing by Jericho. And the last time God did something amazing in Jericho, there was a story in 1 Kings with an army. And there's a story in 1 Samuel where David was talking to some men. But the last time there was a miracle in the city of Jericho. The Bible says there was a wall around the city of Jericho. Some of y'all, anybody remember when you grew up in Sunday school about this, where there was a wall in Jericho, and the Bible says that this wall was huge. Chariots would have races around it, and the Bible says that the nation of Israel, God wanted them to conquer the city of Jericho, and so what happens? God says to walk around seven times on seven days, and on the seventh day, they blew a trumpet and they shouted, and this is what happens. The Bible says the walls of Jericho came down. Let me explain what that means in Hebrew. Most scholars believe, and what actually we find in archaeology believes, the walls of Jericho didn't tumble down, that it says the hand of God pushed the walls down into the floor. Yo, yo, some of y'all that you should be leaping in your heart right now. Because God doesn't just make things crumble over. It says the hand of God was pushing down the walls of Jericho. And the Bible says that that was a miracle that happened. Listen, fast forward two, three thousand years later. Jesus is now in Jericho. And instead of pushing the walls down in a physical reality, he's pushing the walls of Zacchaeus' heart down so that way he can get closer to him. Because what Zacchaeus doesn't know is that in a few minutes, as he's just doing what he's doing at that tax collector booth, the one who came thousands of years ago that pushed the walls down in Jericho is the same one that's going to heal his heart and going to heal him from the inside out. I want you to know that when you're in the presence of Jesus, he is the one that heals body, soul, and spirit. That he is the one that can heal your mind of all the anxiety and all the worry and all the doubt. He is the one that can heal your marriage when it feels like your marriage isn't healable. He is the one that can heal your body when the doctor says you got a bad note on a Thursday or Friday meeting or a phone call from a hospital. I'm going to tell you today that he can heal your spirit when it feels like you're dead on the inside and there's nothing going on. Why? Because when the physician is in the room, when Jesus steps on the scene, he's the one who heals. And I love it. That word salvation, he says this. He says that salvation has come to your home. That word salvation is the word sozo and it means to be healed body soul, and spirit. And you think you're too broken. God pushes walls down on cities and you think your sin that you did at the party is too much. You think you're too lost. Yet he healed the worst sinner probably in all of the New Testament, Zacchaeus. Family, I want you to know today before you leave that you're not too lost and you're not too broken. Maybe you're watching online right now and you think, man, there's no way God wants anything to do with me. Family, God wants everything to do with you. I, 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 feel, I feel the heart of God so strongly in this room right now. That's why I paused. Sometimes we just got to listen real quick. Not to me, to, to what God's saying in the room. And I think some of you need to know that God wants to heal you. 
And I think God's waiting for you to be like Zacchaeus and climb up on that tree. To say yes to the process. Stand with me. I'll let you go. Close your eyes with me though. in here and you would say you know what I need to get healed maybe there's a lot going on maybe it's just a little thing I need God to heal me from the inside out I'm tired of being a victim I'm tired of walking in shame I'm tired of my secret sin I'm tired of my fear I'm tired of feeling spiritually dead whatever it is Family, I, I feel the physician in the room right now. I do. I feel the one who heals the sick and raises the dead and casts out demons. I do. I feel it so strong right now. And it's not like a hype thing. It's very subtle, but oh, he's in the room. He's moving. And maybe you're feeling it. That's cool. If you're not feeling it, that's cool too. It's not a feeling, but, but it's a sense. It's a... With your eyes closed, if that's you, put your hand on your heart. If you need to get healed. Maybe it's a physical healing too. That's great. Love it. Just say this. Say, Holy Spirit. Say, Jesus. Say, Father. I make room for you. With your eyes closed, stay there. There it is. For some of you, that doesn't feel like anything and you're just like, why am I standing? That's okay. But for some of you, something's happening. Something's shifting right now. Someone's marriage is getting healed in a lot of ways right now. You're addressing the victim mentality and you're repenting of that. Yeah, yeah. Some of you, you're, you're getting a desire to want God more than ever before right now. I feel it. You're like, man, I, I, I like going to church, but now I want God. That's the stuff. What does it matter if you go to church and you don't want God? That's pointless. Some of y'all, even right now, I, I feel if you have a physical ailment like a disease, I feel like your body would even start feeling like it's getting warm and there's heat around you because the Holy Spirit is, is beginning to heal. That's how the Lord moves in my life. I, I feel like my body will get hot. And, and that's how it's even happening with you right now. Like the God is moving in such a real way. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to rush this. Just give me a few more minutes. Yeah. Right now, if you're watching online as the tears are flowing, because maybe someone sent this to you, I want you to know that you are loved and that Jesus is interested in you more than you know. Healing from the inside out. Father, thank you that you rescue. God, rescue your people this morning. Rescue them from shame and sin and condemnation. Rescue them from the lies of the enemy. Rescue them from false identities. Rescue them from insecurity. Rescue them. Rescue them. He's got you. He sees you. He loves you. His heart breaks when your heart breaks. He would tell you today, I want you to get better. You're going to get better. You're going to make it. We're going to do this together. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to be right near. I'm going to wake up in the morning with you. I'm going to go to sleep with you. You got to know I'm there. You're not on your own. You never were on your own. Let me work. Trust me. Let me move. Make room for me. Invite me. Stop finding your loves. Stop finding your satisfactions and everything else. Find it in me. When you're worried, come to me. When you're anxious, come to me. When you're upset, when you're angry, come to me. When you're, when you're sad, come to me. Give me your emotions. Give me your pain. Give me your past. I got you. You, I see you the way I saw Zacchaeus. I call you by name. He knows your name. 
but everyone else forgot your name. He knows your name. Holy Spirit, hit my heart. Holy Spirit, heal us. Holy Spirit, continue the work. Even if there's areas I don't even think I need healing, just, just reveal it, God. Heal me. Heal me of bad habits. Heal me of insecurities. Heal me of idols. Heal me of false realities. Heal, heal my body. Heal my mind. Heal my spirit. Sit just a couple, just one, two minutes. Just stay right there. I know you're in a rush. I know you got things to do, but the physician's here. Just take a minute. Sometimes we're so busy. Just let him. Just let him tell you he loves you. Let him tell you he's got you. Let him tell you what you're doing wrong so you can stop doing it. Repeat this after me and we'll let you go. Say this, Jesus, heal me from the inside out. Come on, we'll say that a couple more times because I want you to memorize that. That's going to be your prayer this week if this message really hits you. Say this with me, Jesus, heal me from the inside out. Come on, one more time, I want you to say it like you mean it. Say it like you're really giving him permission to do it. Say this, Jesus, heal me from the inside out. Thank you for my friends. I pray you would do all you want to do. Let this church be a church of healing. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's just give it up for what he did in the room. Let's just honor God in this place. Listen, before you go, uh, can, I have, can I have some pastors just kind of hang out in the front if you're a pastor on the team? Um, just kind of hang out up here, and, and we're just going to be here to pray for you if you need prayer for anything. I just feel like, just want to, just a few minutes. If you don't need it, it's okay. But I just, some of you might need a little more than just a moment, and we want you to know you're with you. Also, everybody say home groups. Come on, say it one more time. Home groups. Sign up, man. Starts tomorrow. If you're believing that God's going to walk you through healing, that's the perfect environment in a lot of ways is get around people who would begin to walk with you to believe that Jesus has something better for you in your life. Does that sound good? All right. One more time. Let's just give it up for what God did in the room. Come on. Let's honor Jesus. Family. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.